Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 207. And tonight, I don't know, just is this like the progress report episode? It seems like we've done a little bit of our homework. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, but it's the fun kind of homework. So <laughs> we're just talking about all the stuff that we've been meaning to catch up on and the stuff we've actually managed to get caught up on. Well, not really. We've started anyway. I watched a single episode of last season of Doctor Who, and I want some applause for that. Yay! Which episode was that one? It was the Ghost Monument, um, when they're on the planet with the two people who are doing the race. Oh, yeah, um, that was kind of fun. And they get to the end, yeah. It was fun. It was definitely like, you're going through it, and I'm going... This is one of those episodes that you can kind of see how it's geared towards kids a bit. Bit video game, I think. Yeah, just a little bit, but it was still fun. And the best moment of it, though, obviously, this is the first moment we get to see her with the TARDIS because she's been trying to get to the TARDIS the whole time. And just the absolute look of delight on her face when she gets there. That, like, the whole episode was fine. It was fine. But the last five minutes when she gets to the TARDIS, I'm like, I love all of this. <laughs> it's really wonderful wonderful how they always portray that every doctor is just so in love with the TARDIS. Just that's the yes. favorite thing in the whole universe. Oh, I love it when she was staying there. She's like, I lost my key and the door opens. She's like, thanks. It's <laughs> just so cute. <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But you know, only one episode, but still considering the fact that that's way more than a year old, it's about time I finally got started watching them. Well, the bit of the homework that I managed to get done was I finished the first season of Fleabag, and mm. I wasn't intending to finish it. I was intending to sit down and watch episode four, and before I knew it, I'd watch four, five, and six, and the season is done. And wow, that is that yeah. is that series is quite a thing. Yeah, it has that reveal towards the last episode where you it kind of ties together everything that's been happening in the whole season and just punches you in the face with it. And I we let's throw up a spoiler warning here because I don't think yeah, we can dance yeah, around this. Yeah. I had figured from way back when she saw Boo's ex at the shoe store and yeah. she got freaked out and he was obviously a little freaked out and I was kind of thinking, oh, so she was the one who slept with the boyfriend. So I saw that. And yet the reveal in the final episode was still brutal because it was, I mean, her asshole brother-in-law is using the worst thing that she's ever done to prove that he's somehow not an asshole to his wife. And that, oh, I mean, God. the manipulation oh, in there God. was just, that's a gut punch. Just awful. And it, it's so, but then they turn it around at the very last moment with the guy, the bank manager, who, by the way, also doesn't have a name in this show. So it's kind of, there's something so compelling about this show. I was not at all expecting to like that bank manager character, but when no. she sat down and quote, quote, talked with him at the silent retreat where she wasn't actually, well, she obviously had just decided that this would play better if she didn't talk. So, and mm. it was just that, that heart to heart that the two of them had was so wonderful. But then, you know, the show will do these funny things that I'm not expecting. Like she's sitting there and she's doing some kind of meaning labor for this silent retreat and you see in the background other people working in the yard and then somebody gets up and they just start dancing around and waving at their head and like oh there's a wasp chasing them <laughs> just that bit of business when you have something going on way in the background that nobody else is acknowledging that's funny every time for me but even more so they're sitting in the room 
at one point where the, someone's giving them a speech and there's the board where people can write down something and someone has just written, I was stung by a wasp. Yeah, I had said last week that it's like the best comedy drama that I think I've seen in a long time. They're actually calling it a tragic comedy. I mean, it is actually really super tragic what happens to some people on this show, but it's still so damn funny so much of the time. And I'm trying to think because, of course, Fleabag, the main character, she's an awful person in many ways, and yet you still like her. Yes. And I was trying to think about some of the developments in there, and the thing that occurred to me about the ending was that, okay, yes, she's an awful person. Now what? Because most of the time in a story, the awful person, like they die at the end or they get completely rejected by the main character and they get sent off screen and you never have to deal with them again. What do you do when you're seeing everything from the point of view of the awful person who has to learn how to not be an awful person somehow or at least try to mitigate her effect on everybody that she actually cares about. So it's a really interesting way to tell a story. Yeah, but it's also, I mean, a lot of times when it's an awful person, they're going to have a redemption. There's usually some forgiveness involved. Well, Boo's dead, and I believe Boo died without ever knowing what she had done to her. So there is no chance of her ever being able to come clean to her or have her forgive her. So I think the whole point was, I don't want to be trite about it, but it is about forgiving yourself. And that's kind of what the bank manager was saying. You know, he really wants forgiveness of other people, but I think he's just sort of trying to get by on his own too. I don't know. It's just, it's really, you can't really distill it down to a message. It's a kind of just no, about life. No, you can't. No, but the next season, I'm so curious to see what you think about the next season. And the episodes are less than a half an hour long, which I think is great. Netflix, please pay attention. Make the episodes and the season as long as it needs to be. Don't sit there and do that Netflix bloat thing where you just drag it out. It's not even that they have like a couple episodes that they could cut out. A lot of times the Netflix show, you just have 45 minutes of every episode that could just get trimmed out and the rest is gold. So I don't know why they do that. I don't either. I guess maximizing what they get out of their actors, I suppose. They probably have to pay their actors know. a lot of money. I don't know. It just doesn't seem to make financial sense. But anyway, but yeah, when you watch the second season, I'm really curious as to what you think. So we didn't list this last week, but I'm finally watching the most recent season of The Crown and oh, we yeah. All, yeah, the whole family got together and watched the third episode of the most recent season, which is the one with the mining disaster. Oh, wow. In yeah, the, that in was... Wales. Oh, wow. Man, Ooh. I was not... I mean, when you see the mine disaster happening and the teacher tells everybody to get under their desks, and I'm thinking that this yeah. is going to be a moment when he manages to save them somehow, but then he stands there at the window and I'm like, he's he knows nobody's getting out of this. And it's just... Oh, yeah, I no. can't... That, that oh. sort of thing where you see death come Coming at you and you know it's going to happen. That oh, that bothers oh, me God. more than just about anything else. And I'll tell you, it's this happened during the Tudors too. I'm not particularly great at history. I, I think I could be if I cared enough to learn it, but I never have, which drives half of our family to distraction because <laughs> we've got a lot of historians in the family. But this is where it kind of benefits me because, you know, the episode started and it's got the really ominous title cards and the music and everything. I'm like, oh, something awful going to happen. It's 1966 in Wales. I have no idea what happens at this time period. So I got to 
be surprised by it. So I like that. Well, Nathan always knows what's going to happen because he does actually know history and studies and reads up a lot. But he also does not spoil me for stuff. So he will know what something's going to happen. But he's like, oh, yeah. And he doesn't say anything else. So I obviously knew something bad was going to happen, but I wasn't spoiled for what. But that this season is really good. I mean, Olivia Coleman, and to take a little side trip back to Fleabag, she's amazing in Fleabag. Oh, she's so good. Oh, my God. You just hate her so much. She's awful, but what she can do, like that god-awful sex exhibition thing that she does with the artwork oh, yeah. that's all Terrible. celebrating about her sex and her having sex and all the people she's had sex with. And she, like, mm-hmm. has that whole display of penises. And she's, you know, joking but not really with Fleabag about, have you found your father? And Fleabag is just, like, not even going to dignify this. So she just points at one. And she obviously points at the penis that was modeled off of her dad. And yeah. what Olivia Coleman does to her expression, like, her expression just kind of, like, it's, like, surprise but then drops, then actually really upset, but she's not going to let Fleabag know she's upset. And that was, I'm, oh. I had to rewind and watch that just to see her expression there. And she is, Olivia Coleman is so good in The Crown as well. I think she's been good in everything I've seen her in. Yeah, and you got to, boy, her character in The Crown is night and day difference from her character in Fleabag. Really? From anything that she has ever done. Yeah, just, you couldn't get two people more different. And I know that she wanted to do Fleabag because of the fact that it was a character she hadn't played before, and that it was funny. I mean, she hasn't done a lot of, I mean, my God, her character in Broadchurch. Oh, dear Lord, just rips your heart out. So amazing. But yeah, I think she and I can never remember the writer and star of Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Thank you. Yes. She apparently wrote that character with Olivia Coleman in mind because they had worked together. I'm not surprised at all. Well, I've heard that the character of the priest in the next season, she wrote it with what's his bucket? Moriarty from Sherlock Holmes. She wrote that character with him in mind as well. Very nice. Mm. Oh boy. Cannot wait until you watch those episodes. But anyway, the crown, very good. Very fun. Looking forward to watching the rest of that. Cool. Um, There was a show that Nathan and I have started watching that I really think you would like. It's called James May, Our Man in Japan. And James May is one of the stars of Top Gear. I don't know that you've watched as... You probably haven't watched as many episodes of that as Nathan and I have, but we really... We enjoyed Top Gear. We love the grand tour that they do now that they're not doing Top Gear anymore. Um, But this is just James May's solo project, and he is traveling through Japan. And I think it's... like a six-episode miniseries sort of thing. Oh, it's so mm-hmm. much fun because you just see all the stuff that the average person who like knows a little bit about Japanese culture probably wouldn't know any of this stuff. Some of this is completely new to me, and it's great. The first episode, if you want to watch that, it takes place in Hokkaido, and it's in wintertime, and there's like James May does uh, dog sledding at one point, which is a lot of fun. There is something in... Uh, a city in Hokkaido called Yatai, or this is something that's in Japan everywhere, but there's a special spot that it's really known for. Yatai is, it's a street vendor, like a cart or something. But in the wintertime, they have this entire street of the street vendor carts, but they've all been sectioned off with sheeting to make these cozy little rooms where 
basically the idea is you go in and you sit down and you are sitting elbow to elbow with total strangers. And it is just an encouragement for everybody to talk to people and have conversations and make friends. And it was all at nighttime and it was just so ridiculously cozy. And it's like, I just want to go to Hokkaido now to experience that. Yeah, that sounds right up my wheelhouse. Especially since I've always kind of felt, I, I don't know that I'll ever find anything to replace Anthony Bourdain's shows in my heart. I mean, there was just something so wonderful about all of that. And I watched Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, and it's fine. I don't really recommend it. It's no. just if you're looking for an Anthony Bourdain replacement, it's just not the same. Um, but this sounds like that kind of thing, like just a person that you would know that you could talk to who goes and does these amazing things in these places that you didn't even know in the world existed. Mm-hmm. I just, I love it. So I'll definitely have to check that one out. Yeah. So we wanted to add this to our catch-up list because we totally forgot to mention it last week, but we are of course going to be watching the Picard series, but I believe the first episode is out, and of course I haven't watched it because I haven't paid for CBS All Access, but I will, I promise. But yeah, that that looks like it's going to be so much fun. Really does. Oh my. And I haven't I haven't sat down to really watch a lot of Star Trek on a regular basis in a long time. I need to get on that. Yeah, and I haven't watched any of Discovery. Always seems like the reviews on Discovery are kind of mixed, you know? I don't know about that. It's gotten to the point with Star Trek and Star Wars. I don't know who to trust when people talk about the quality of a show because there are people who are grading it on quality and then there are fanboys who are grading it on whether or not it is or is not what they wanted. So who knows? Because it seemed like a lot of what I first heard about Discovery was fanboys being angry. Yeah, though they're of course not as bad as the Star Wars fanboys. I think we can all agree that the Star Wars toxic fanboys are the most toxic of the toxic fanboys. I think so, and I'm not sure why. Is it because with this first coming out in the 70s that we've had decades and decades of people to build up this kind of obsession and nothing's going to match what they actually want. But you could kind of say the same thing about Star Trek, you know? I don't know why there hasn't been that I don't know. They just, I mean, who, who knows? I'm sure there's a lot of women who are Star Trek fans who have experienced some awful people excluding them from Star Trek because they're girls. I've not experienced that, and I don't know anybody personally who has, but I've heard from a lot of women who got excluded from Star Wars, not Star Trek. I hope I got those names right, because I do tend to say one when I mean the other. Oh, me so too. That oh, last yeah. sentence may have made absolutely no sense at all. But anyway, <laughs> jumping away from Toxic Fanboys, you heard some news about a Facebook project recently. For crying out loud, Facebook is canceling the second season of Limetown. Damn it. God, yeah, that sucks. It I'm, really and does. You know, I went and looked at I went and looked at the Limetown Twitter page. They don't tweet very often. And the most recent thing they had up there was I think something in December. So I just can't imagine because you had kind of gotten the idea that the Limetown creators, their original plan was to have a TV show. Yep. That was sort of their main goal. And they got it. And after one season it's canceled and it's canceled because Facebook book is scaling back on their fiction stuff? Scaling back on their scripted work, apparently. I think they want to do more reality things, I think. I don't Boo. know. I have no idea. I don't know how well Limetown did on Facebook. Uh, you can always hear people complaining, but I liked all the 
episodes, and I thought, you know, they changed it from the podcast. They kept a lot of the same beats, a lot of the same quotes, but there was enough that was changed that by the ending, you really didn't know where they were going to go with it, whether they were going to make the second season match up with the second season of the podcast. Were they going to go off in a completely new direction? I was looking forward to finding out, and now I never will. I wonder if they'll, because the article that I read, which is the one that you linked to on the Binary System Podcast Facebook page, it said that there was another show that they were also canceling, and it had had two seasons, and now it's being canceled, and it may get picked up someplace else. So maybe Limetown will find a home on another station. Maybe, I who hope knows, so. Maybe, God knows there's a lot of other streaming platforms that are doing their own content right now, so maybe. I don't know. I think somebody went out and did the calculations about how much it would cost you if you got a subscription to all of the different streaming platforms that you could mm. now. And it would apparently be more expensive now than it was to pay for cable back when everybody was ditching cable because it was cheaper just to go to Netflix. Yeah, I know. I, every time I think that there's you know, I'm like, oh, well, technically I don't need this station or I don't need this platform. I don't need this. And I was like, Hulu, who cares about Hulu? And somebody's like, isn't Hulu Handmaid's Tale, which is another thing that I've heard amazing things about, but I haven't been able to make myself watch it because I feel like there's too much going on in the current political environment. And the whole idea of the show makes me nervous. That's exactly why I haven't watched it because I know it will make me angry because when I read the news, I'm already damn angry. But yeah, that was one. I was like, eh, I don't need Hulu. I'm like, no, oh, I do want to watch Handmaid's Tale at some point. I don't know. But yeah, I've got a friend who he just gets a subscription to various things when a show he really likes comes out and he'll have a subscription for a month and then he'll cancel it. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing. They're just hopscotching on. Because God knows, I mean, I did that with the first season of American Gods. Uh, what yes, was that? exactly. Was Me that too. Stars, I guess? You know, yep, I had a that was it. temporary membership to Stars. That was fine. And then I'm done. But yeah, I don't know. The problem is that there's too much great content out there, which is kind of the problem you want to have. I think so. It's a nice problem to have. It's just hard. You have to really coordinate, okay, this month we'll get a membership to this streaming platform and binge these shows, and the next month we'll get a subscription to this streaming platform. So it's hard to keep up. You kind of need a calendar. Yeah, exactly. So, But uh, anyway, I think that's going to wrap us up for the week. Um, Not a lot going on here other than trying to catch up with all the things. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the comic book reviews, the movie reviews, the photo galleries. Um, I don't know. You know, it's once again, we're just trying to take advantage of a slight lull before convention season really gets geared up. And uh, the fact that Night Vale has been off all month and to catch up on all this lovely, lovely content. And I'm, I think I'm going to have to see the Joker. You know, it got nominated for 11 Oscars. Yeah. Um, I That Best Pick podcast that Hannah had recommended to us, they had an episode where they talked about the Oscar nominations. It looks like the Joker might win a bunch. However, they're also talking about the idea of a possible Joker backlash. Like it gets so much hype so far ahead of the Oscars that by the time the Oscar voting takes place, everybody's sick of hearing about it. And that ends up costing them some wins. So who knows? Yeah, but I like to be completist when it comes to, you know, watching the Oscars and everything. And I could knock out parts of so many categories if I just 
suck it up and go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I have two co-workers who say it's amazing and also go see The Joker. So I don't know. I, I said I wasn't going to see it, but I'm like, oh, and it just, it'd be really convenient to see it, which is not a great reason to see a movie. I'm going to see this movie because it's convenient. But anyway, I want to see Parasite and I understand Jojo Rabbit yes. is really good. The best pick people were talking about the fact that Scarlett Johansson in Jojo Rabbit is amazing. They think she's okay. probably in, there's a good chance that she could get the best uh, supporting actress win for that one. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a good enough reason. I like her. I, I wish too. she wouldn't do that thing where she, where she takes on roles that are not really appropriate to her nationality, but um, that's fine. You know, <laughs> it's her choice. If people are going to offer the role, whatever. But anyway, anyway, all that and more pixelatedgeek.com. So I, boy, next week is still no Night Vale as far as I know. Still no Night Vale, but... Oh, I was about to say, I was trying to figure out when I'm going to be in Florida next. And I don't think it's next week. I think it's the week after that. So more traveling, binary system podcast, travel edition. It's going on for months this time. (laughs) Boy, is it ever. So anyway, we will find something to talk about in the nerd world. So one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. 